0: Oh, Super! a Oh, That's, a super, super. Oh, that's a brilliant for the play by Mahé!
1: Oh my goodness, man, what a shot! 100 goals, 7. 100 set the final!
2: everyone and welcome to the uninformed handball hour it's chris o'reilly here with alex kulesh in alex's home yes for the first time in months two of us are doing it at the same
0: place at the same time alex how are you i'm really excited to talk about you know we got to get together for a reason and as to talk about the biggest handball competition in the world
2: the ihf super club Yes! <laughs> Screw your incredibly interesting HF Champions League action at the moment. We have another competition starting next week and well, although on this podcast over the last few years we have been quite critical mostly Brian, who is a part of the podcast for one of the interviews, mostly Brian critical of the Super Globe as a concept. But now, having done already the interviews you're going to hear today I think... We've convinced ourselves and we're going to convince all of you that this is something to invest yourselves into next week. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I think we will just go into our first interview with Danilo Royovich from San Francisco Cal Heat,
2: that qualified from the North America and Caribbean competition. Danilo is from Switzerland originally, Balkan parents, and moved over there to the USA for work reasons of course which he speaks a little bit a bit a bit about in the interview and yeah he's uh, the coach of the team a former player as well at a fairly high level and he gives us a bit of an insight into their preparation and uh, his meticulous preparation in particular and uh, what he's planning to get out of this competition next week Danilo Rojovic from Cal Heat in Switzerland at the moment. How are you doing?
1: Good, good. Uh, taking some time also to enjoy my home country. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. for now, so far, so good. Okay, so you're, you're Swiss, originally based
2: in California at the moment. I mean, there's a lot to go through in terms of the journey with teams like this and people like yourself. Maybe you can give us a little introduction as to who you are and, and your handball connections.
1: Sure uh I I'll start with my my roots so I was born actually in Belgrade Serbia so um so yeah my parents are from from Yugoslavia my mother from Serbia father from Montenegro so there is a lot of Balkan heritage in my um uh, in my blood so uh but somehow you know my father was a professional soccer player played for Partizan Belgrade and Yugoslavia national team in soccer so it kind of led us to Switzerland uh, when i was really young so uh so i've been in switzerland for almost 30 years uh you know did my whole uh, education professional career there and also handball steps uh so so i've been in switzerland a while uh started playing in the end of 90s uh in a small regional club in western switzerland uh played there for a few years before moving to uh, to a much larger club the club we are Getting hosted by today, uh, base Uh, it's one of the most prestigious clubs uh, in Switzerland, long heritage in you know developing youth talents in handball. So, spent my youth career there, um, and also my semi professional career there because, uh, yeah, obviously, um, you know, Switzerland has a very few purely professional clubs like Cadet and Schaffhausen and Fadi Winterthur most notably, but the rest is purely. I would say a semi-professional. So I spent some years there uh, until some, you know, injuries led me to discover uh, and start the coaching, you know, uh, project. Um, I, I was pretty fortunate to have, first of all, my father, to, after you know finishing his f- soccer career, became a coach. So that was like my first, you know, exposure to to the world of coaching. And then, you know, I had some great handball coaches like Zlatko Portner, um, who you might know. Won uh, you know the Olympics in '96, so was a great coach for me. You know the old uh, you know Yugoslavian school uh, and some other you know minor coaches uh, from a European standard uh, who who just gave me the passion to to pursue that. So I came back to my you know original club, um, my regional club, who was back then in the sixth Swiss league, and we kind of uh, you know went all on a journey up to the third league in four years. So we. We, we, we just climbed leagues very quickly. It was a great experience. And then I continued, you know, in Switzerland in higher leagues in the third and second league before landing in the US uh, in 2015. I, I went there for professional reasons. So no nothing handball related. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got an opportunity to work for a startup there, which I accepted. And somehow, you know, San Francisco had a handball club. So everything worked out perfectly. I, I thought that I would not, continue handball that quick because i gave myself a little break the year before um you know moving to the states uh and you know when i arrived yeah there was a club there I, I joined that club gave myself a good year just to kind of observe and look at you know how the club is structured what players are available before really starting coaching Calhit in august 2016.
3: and how has it been so far your journey with the with the team?
1: Uh, It's been very uh, interesting because, you know, from an organizational standpoint, the club uh, back in 2016 was um, still very small. I'm not I'm not pretending that we are big today, but I would say comparatively it has evolved a lot. Like we we had just two teams, one man, one woman, Um, like a small, I would say, board structure as well. Uh, playing a few regional tournaments, uh, like low-profile ones, and today we are, as you can see, you know, uh, we are the reigning national champion. Uh, we play most tournaments in the U.S. We have two men's, two women's team, one youth team. Um, we are partnering with about 12 schools, uh, and we play the Super Globe now. So, so the the the, the contrast is pretty huge between 2016 and today, um, on you know the competitive front. the club has really evolved um, my team you know is a way more i would say definitely not still far from the professional world but i would say the the quality of players has, has drastically improved um, we were lucky to get a few exceptional players in the last few years coming you know from from european backgrounds mostly but yeah that helped kind of shape uh and 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 get us to where we are today quicker than i anticipated but uh but yeah it's growing amazing uh the super globe was kind of our dream 3 years ago uh and i'm happy we we got there quick i'd say
2: so i just want to get a bit of context here in, in your your journey to the super globe because a couple of years ago was the first time we had a north american and caribbean qualifier and there, there was the team from Canada, there was New York, and then there was the LA team as well. So no Cal Heat on that occasion, but the LA team seemed to be like a bit of a mishmash of everyone else who wanted to, to go to the Super Globe. Where were you as a club at that point? And what, I guess, prevented you from playing in that tournament and inspired you to go then take it on this time around?
1: So back two years ago, and I remember those conversations, uh, you know, the, the two federations, like the Pan American Federation split. Mm. And, uh, and you know, their, the idea, the concept of a super global qualifier in North America came super abruptly. Uh, New York City took on the challenge and very successfully hosted, you know, their event. Uh, we were invited; we were eligible to actually go. Um, however, everything happened so quickly and abruptly uh, that, you know, we, despite our will, uh, we there was something we had to sacrifice, um, either the bad qualifier or the national championship. And I think uh, we made the good decision to to not waste our energy and our resources, both financial and organizational, to to not go there. Um, Obviously, I wish we went there and we had that in plan. But but yeah, we focused on the national championship. Uh, We gave our players the clarity on what we expected from them. And I think that played a big role in us winning because we were ready. While I think New York was probably... Too much invested into two big projects. I think we, which were you not know, happening two weeks apart. So, so, um, so yeah. I think New York did something amazing, winning it and still achieving the final at nationals. But I think probably that small detail played a role um, this time around. I would say that there was a clear focus on our end. You know, the last year when when the season uh, just before the pandemic hit, uh, we were set to play the nationals and the qualifier in Lake Placid, uh, which were a month apart. So it allowed us really to understand, you know, how we can organize for both events. So I think we would have been going there, I think, regardless. Uh, but, you know, because of the pandemic, everything got canceled. And this was the first tournament for us to happen this year. Uh, so, which allowed us just, yeah, to plan for it, put all our resources and focus. And, and we were determined. I think we, we, all my players, like we've been talking about this the last 18 months. So, So whenever that opportunity came, uh, everybody was very easy to convince. And uh, yeah, everything worked perfectly.
3: You mentioned earlier about the squad and you've gotten some players in recently that maybe have upped the standard a lot of the type of players that you may be used to. Could you maybe give us a little bit of a breakdown of some of the players you have, where they're from, what's the mix of players you have, and maybe some people to look out for when we tune in to watch you?
1: Sure. Uh, I would say, I would say most of our team is made of European, uh, expats. So, so I'm not going to hide like uh, probably 80, 90% are Europeans. Uh, I would say in our team, we are lucky to have like a player like Eloy Rubio who, um, who has played at Atletico Madrid. So he played alongside, you know, Ivano Balic notably. Uh, so he has that Spanish school, uh, really in his blood, uh, he started his journey in the U.S. with Chicago for for a year, but kind of the 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 destiny brought him to to the Bay Area, uh, you know, and and he started playing for us. So he was really an essential piece in our success in the last two years. Then you have also a player uh, like Zoued Akuro, who, um who is a Cameroonian born but moved to the U.S. like almost ten years ago. Like a player that gives a lot of athleticism to, to our team. Uh, extremely talented to play on both back back players. Unfortunately, he's not going to be with us uh, at, the, at the Super Superglobe because of some immigration issues, which, you know, especially under COVID times, are, are hard to navigate. Um, but we have other players as well, like, you know, our goalkeeper, Lukas Krüger. He played in the third Bundesliga with Fristenfeldbruck. So probably one of the, probably the best goalie in North America right now. Um, so, yeah, there are players to watch, uh, I would say. Uh, and right now, you know, something we've been able to achieve is to, you know, integrate players very quickly. Um, so, you know, especially now at the Super Globe, we're going to have, you know, two or three new guys who are not, you know, our players that we managed to, to bring for, specifically for the event, uh, you know, from Denmark, the, the brothers, True Andersen, who played, you know, for 10 years at Aarhus Ar- Ar- in Denmark um so they
2: wait you're wait sorry you're bringing both of them yeah exactly that's
4: amazing
1: initially we were <laughs> supposed to bring only one but one of our players had you know a family emergency so we had to find mm. someone else who plays a defense specialist and ronnie to Panderson played that for <laughs> he's just amazing and, and i see it right now <laughs> you know him or well, i know both of them well yeah
2: from the the beach handball. European championship yeah exactly they are yeah. in yeah.
1: beach but uh they are so amazing and uh and we have this kind of and I don't know if it's my my style of integrating teams but I'm very uh detail oriented and I want to have things under control as a coach so for me it's really important you know how to integrate new players like in which room do they put you together how do you you know you bring them to the team and make sure that they they contribute to the maximum of their capacity rather than just you know what what LA did I think was a great attempt but i think bringing people from all different parts of the world or the us together is always a huge challenge and i think you need to have a proper strategy on on how to manage that yeah
2: and even with the the new york team that went to the super globe they brought some guys who were playing for la at that championship and and again it was a bit of a mishmash and i guess there's always a big temptation to do that for a tournament like this but um besides a few of the guys who we're bolstering the squad. Most of the team are training together kind of week in, week out in California.
1: Yeah, and I think the and I'm not saying we are perfect. I also made mistakes um, you know, in the past, you know, and, and, and you you learn from those mistakes, but I think one of the things before, anytime before I integrate a new player, I like to know what that player, you know, what, what his expectations and demands are, what, what he can bring to the team before bringing someone else. So I would say in the case of the through brothers, uh, I spend time really understanding, you know, who they are, where they played, talking to them and and, and still talking to them today, right? So I think it's a, it's a, it's a continuous process and uh, uh, something that you have to watch very carefully and closely because you want your team I would say, the core of your team to still feel healthy uh, while, uh, you know, allowing these new players to, to bring the core to another level, I would say.
3: Mm. And so your first game then is going to be on the 5th, which is uh, next Tuesday, um, and you're playing against the host Alveda. I don't know if I'm that correctly, but uh, the, uh, the host of the, of the tournament. What are your expectations for that game or what do you expect to come up against
1: uh, first, I'm expecting a, a very hard game. I mean, we are playing against professional teams. So, uh, you know, Alweda is just on a training camp right now in Egypt for two weeks. Uh, they are going to have two amazing players as a support for their team. You know, Frankis Mar- Marzo and uh, Angel Hernandez. Uh, so, so this is uh, this is already like uh, like a huge mountain to, that we have to 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 climb. So, I would say. My expectation, first of all, and that's what I told my team, is like I'm not expecting them to win or lose the game. Like, I think we're no one probably in the handball community thinks that we are going to achieve something, which is good on one hand because uh, you have no pressure. But uh, on the other, I think I want us to leave a good impression. I want people to see us play a modern type of handball, like, you know, fast transition play. Modern, you know, defense tactics, constant movement, constant, uh, you know, aggression in defense, like something that you're, you're like, even if at the end we lose by 10 goals, which might easily happen. Right. Uh, I, I want the teams like like the people to feel like, Hey, these guys are really good. They're obviously not professional players, but you know, they tried, they they did something interesting and, and we're going to look out. And I mean, if we had halftime, we're a few goals behind two, three goals behind, I, I would sign for that. So So I would say that's, that's my expectation. And, you know, ultimately on the individual level, I want to bring my players, uh, you know, minus the the guys that we brought, uh, you know, an experience that they can get and grow from so that, you know, on our national scene, we get even better and better and can repeat those experiences in the future. So, so yeah, I think the super globe is a great exercise. It's a learning experience and, uh, it can only. We should see it as a as a, as a tool to, to get us to a better place in the future.
2: We'll speak to somebody from the, the Sydney Uni team also in this uh, podcast, and I think they're a great example as well of over the years going back over and over again until they managed to win a quarterfinal back in 2015 uh, and showing what is possible. But uh, you'll also have a couple of games, even if the first one, is a loss that you'll have a couple more games no matter what and um, when you're approaching this and in the training camp you're in right now without giving too much away of course but are there any areas that you feel that you can exploit in other teams that, or that your team could actually grasp onto as an advantage that you're going to focus on
1: uh i would say something i like to play on you know i'm a very meticulous person and you know and you know obviously you would know that more if you knew me but i would say uh I, I like, even though this mountain seems very, very high, I, I, I always believe that there is a chance, you know? So I think a person who believes in his dreams and hopes, like, uh, can be actually a pretty tough opponent because, you know, you never know, right? And, and that's the way I prepare my players. I'm, I'm telling them, you know, there is a chance, but you have to work hard for it. And we have to add in some elements or surprises on both the defense and offense that we can bring, and I think the team is responding very positively to that. So, you know, without, you know, outlining, you know, strategy and everything. But I think we are preparing this game like it's a game we can play, uh, not a game that we're going to be losing. Uh, and, you know, that game is going to be lost or won at the end, you know, but uh, but before we are entering the court as San Francisco Calhoun, not as a challenger, not as a as a small team or an amateur team so i believe anything is possible so then at the end you know it's we will definitely need some luck we'll definitely need to be in a in probably one of our best days and and then you know if we can bring this game in in, in a close one i think this is missing mission accomplished
3: i think over the years people watching the super globe uh, especially some people who are maybe a little bit better off in terms of the quality of handball they watch and some people can be very critical of the, of the Super Globe, but you said at the very beginning of the podcast how much it meant to you to qualify for it. And I was looking at your Instagram beforehand and one of the pictures of you holding a trophy and you were talking about how it would have how you would have loved your grandfather to see you qualified for the Super Globe and watch the Super Globe. What would you say to the people and there's maybe some people on this podcast who were very critical of the super globe in the past as well i won't say who they are That's, but uh, <laughs>
2: like the guy talking uh, right now <laughs> what,
3: what, would, yeah, what would you say to people who maybe are a bit critical of the super globe and what it means to the smaller teams like your team to be and play at this type of
1: event so i would actually broaden that question even not the smaller teams even the professional players and i see it here there are some players that are professional in my team that were like last year like the wills through brothers that I didn't need to convince them at all for that. Like it's, hey, do you want to play the Super Globe? They're all like, oh, oh, I, of course I want to play it. Like, am I in? Like, so I would, I would say it's, to me, uh, it's, it's such a privilege. I think being part of, of something like that. It's like I try to imagine that you know, being like the Olympics for, for you know, an athlete that is not part of a core country. Like you know, I remember. Uh, this picture of david musambani you know s- swimming at the olympics in sydney uh he you know he was i don't know if you ever watched that that race uh, he was yeah. just swimming um, by himself etc and it's and it's and it's fun probably he never went there to to think about i'm gonna do something but i think the the idea of participating getting there succeeding for me is is something on un- like I don't understand why you would need to convince someone this is such a great opportunity. So for me, you know, I, I touched the the professional world in my, in my younger career as a player, as a coach, I was never a full on professional, but like, this is a, this is a, this is selling me the super globe is super easy. That's why like people who are critical about that, I don't really understand it. Uh, maybe it's fatigue. Uh, maybe it's, I don't know what it is, but I think, to me, regardless of if you are a professional or an amateur, uh, and we talked it with Magdeburg, for example, recently, we had an interview with Magdeburg, and even for them, this is something special. The last time they were there was back in the years with Olafur Stefanson, with uh, Nenad Perunicic. So uh, they are super excited to be there. And I think this is the emotions and the feelings that you as a player or as a coach, uh, you know, should entertain um, for me personally, as I wrote on my Instagram, you know, that's was when I talked about this with my grandfather, like a year ago was like, was such a dream, you know? And, and when you achieve it, you're so happy. And, and, and because handball is probably not something that gets me any money. Uh, this is something that I, I hold dear to my heart. So achieving that together with my team was, yeah, it's, it's a huge accomplishment.
2: Finally, then you mentioned the, the Olympics there. And um, in just, well, less than seven years now, it's going to be in your backyard, uh, LA 2028, which we've spoken about at length on this podcast a few years ago. Um, but all of a sudden, it seems to be coming up very soon. And I uh, wonder what your thoughts are on on the USA You're going to be hosting that with automatic places in the handball tournament, because it feels like in Cal Heat, there's a lot of youth handball work going on there. And, and you could be developing a couple of players uh, for that event?
1: Yeah, so I mean, first of all, the Olympics is such a great opportunity. Uh, It's happening on the West Coast too, so I think it's also a good place in the US uh, to promote the sport. I think it's mostly a sport that is promoted on the East Coast, so I think that's going to be a great platform for that. I think um, the good thing uh, about the the Olympics is, uh, first of all, the US national team gets uh, two automatic bids, I think in 25 and 27, so I think they are going to get the right exposure and, and experience to get into the Olympics. Obviously, the Olympics is going to be a, a huge uh, challenge for them because it's only 12 teams and usually it's even harder than you know, World Championships. So, uh, so I would say I don't know what the expectations they are, but I don't really see them as, you know, and they probably shouldn't put that pressure on themselves. But I think uh, this is probably for me the same way as the Super Globe is for us, more of a reward for all the years that they are going to go through uh, until then. Um, so I don't know what their chances are. I would not bank too much on them. So hopefully you get the experience they want. But for Calhie to contribute, I mean that's our biggest wish. But I think before that happens, um, there needs there needs to be a couple of steps before. Uh, and and that's that's probably the biggest challenge in the US right now is how do you uh, incorporate or in like bring handball. Um, more to the grassroots, uh, you know, uh, of the, of the, would say the educational uh, ecosystem in the U S because currently Anvil is not, is, is not anywhere. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not in schools, it's not in colleges uh, at universities. So the exposure that people get is mostly through clubs and they get it for a limited time. And, and then they just move on either for work or they do baseball, basketball, American football. So, so, yeah, I mean, it is our goal to develop national players over the next seven years, but doing it on our own is going to be very difficult. So we need, you know, the federation to put a plan together. We need all the other clubs to do a similar program in their, in their cities so that, you know, it also facilitates movements between, you know, students, right? So whenever someone moves from San Francisco to Chicago, there is already a, an ecosystem that is, able to welcome him and and directly integrate him in the in that system but right now nothing of that is happening so so i think until that is not set probably the u.s would resort to dual citizens like they have today and and Mm -hmm. then it's just you know praying that there is enough of you know players that can be able to play at that level in 228 well, it'll be on our
2: on our doorstep before we know it. Uh, but that's brilliant, Danilo. Thanks a lot for, for your time. Lovely to talk to you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your camp in Switzerland. And good luck next week.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, guys. And uh, yeah, you, you're doing a great podcast. I, I like it a lot. And uh, yeah, keep doing what you do. Thank you, mate. Thanks so much. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.
2: Thank you to Danilo And thank you to Brian That's the end of Brian For today (laughs) (laughs) He's off uh, In the countryside In Austria While we're here In Copenhagen talking And uh, You know Cal Heat A team that Already a couple of years ago When New York Qualified for the Superglobe Uh, won the American Championship just a couple of weeks later, which Danilo spoke a bit about there. They had to choose one tournament and they chose the American Championship rather than the Super Globe qualifier and that paid off for them, but finally getting their chance now. And uh, yeah, I'm really uh, intrigued to see how they do. Quite a settled team and they have friends of the podcast, Martin and Ronnie Vilstrup on the team as well. So a big beach handball influence
0: there. (laughs) Always exciting to see a team like that compete against the very best. Uh, They start against uh, hosts. Uh, I don't know what's more difficult, starting against the hosts in Saudi Arabia or starting against Magdeburg, which our uh, next guest will probably talk about in in a lot more detail.
2: Yeah, I I would say Magdeburg is a tougher start, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) The Sydney Uni, who uh, have been regular participants really for the last decade, um, regular participants in the, the competition, and even back in 2015, uh, won a quarterfinal match and qualified for the semi final. So they've made an impact in the past. They have a very strange situation, which our guest, Lou Garland, will speak a little bit about where they haven't been able to use any of their regular players because they're all stuck in Australia. And if you leave Australia at the moment, it's going to be difficult to get back home again. So what they've done is they had a call out to the wider Sydney Uni and Oceania community where they've had former players who are based in Europe uh, and then players from New Caledonia and New Zealand, in Luke Ireland's case, also join the team. And uh, as we'll hear in the interview... Luke had a big decision to make, and uh, I guess we'll just leave it there. Let's jump into our interview with Luke Arland. Luke Arland, welcome to the podcast. And why the hell are you a New Zealander and not an Irishman?
4: (laughs) Uh, The question question they ask me (laughs) most of my life. I'll tell you for free, I'm actually playing uh, as a British citizen, so I've actually got a dual passport, so there you go, an Englishman as Ireland from New Zealand.
2: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, uh, first of all, thanks a lot for joining us uh, in your busy training schedule in Saudi Arabia already. Um, we'll go into the whole setup and how you ended up being part of this Sydney team for the competition in a bit, but first uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to the handball world.
4: Yeah, of course. So, um, like I previously played my handball, uh, almost completely in Wellington, uh, in New Zealand. It's sort of the, the biggest stage of where we play handball, uh, in New Zealand from there, uh, the New Ze- I was part of the New Zealand team from sort of 2018. Uh, where we compete at the asia championship Um, and that there is where where a lot of new zealanders first get a taste of of international handball we we previously play in the um the challenge trophy which is um, a sort of an emerging nations of sorts uh at the under 21 level and that kind of gives you your first taste of age grade level Um, and then if you want to push on beyond that uh, then the new zealand team has the opportunity every two years to go to the asia championship and That's something that we obviously relish the the chance to play countries from all across Asia and and really test our might against that. Um, And then most recently, we played in Kuwait uh, early last year before the pandemic, which is, um, yeah, bonkers to think that you're able to travel internationally in 2020. I mean, I don't think there's many people that can say that. Um, And look at and just had an absolute blast there. And I was fortunate enough to pick up um, the accolade of, of top goalscorer in that tournament, which was just. You know, for someone that that plays as an amateur uh, for a team that trains once a week and, and then sort of plays on a Sunday um, up against some of the the best professionals in in the Asia region, uh, you know, phenomenal to to see my name up there. It was really, yeah, qu- quite surreal. And um, obviously, then to to get the call cool up a bit later on, the uh, you know this team here in, in the Super Globe is is it's just incredible. And and it does show, I think, you know, the talent that's coming through, uh, you know, the Oceania scene. Um, and the fact that, that the New Zealand Federation, the Australian Federation and, and, and wider, you know, complete uh, have so much respect for the Saudi Federation for being able to be able to make this tournament work. You know, all of these parties had to be linked up literally to get me sitting on this couch talking to you guys right now. You know, it is, it's phenomenal to see a, a sport uh, to be able to connect people in, in amongst the absolute anarchy of, of what the sort of world looks like right about now. So yeah, that, that's kind of my, my connection to the sport.
0: And what about your connection to the club, to Sydney Uni? Um,
4: <laughs>
0: is it just because you're close? <laughs>
2: well, tell, tell, us, tell us about how it, how it all came together.
4: Prox- Proximity-wise, yeah, yeah, that's probably more than anything else. Look, I think, um, you know, I've, I've heard of Sydney Uni before. We, we, we obviously get invited to play at the Super Globe qualification, um, you know, as part of the pathway f- as a New Zealand club. Uh, Very rarely do we take that opportunity, uh, partly because we know the powerhouses of of the Australia Federation tend to to win that. I know it was tight in sort of 2019, but yeah, like the connection just came again through the two federations, New Zealand and Australia, uh, you know, improving the communication there. And I get a call from one of the management, they say, hey, how do you feel about... Saudi Arabia, and I was like, on a good day, I I might think about it, but for the most part, I haven't ever given myself thoughts around around what I could do there. And they said, look, well, you know, there's this tournament, there's a Super Globe, and obviously, you know, any handball player, um, you know, knows what the Super Globe is and knows knows what it represents. And so, yeah, the the chance to actually join that, I, I to be honest, I I kind of put it off a little bit. The uh, the isolation uh, situation, in New Zealand, means if I were to go, I can't come back. Um, just not, it's just not possible to, to go back into New Zealand. And so, uh, I'm obviously in Saudi Arabia now. So I think, you know, the answer to, to that question, but yeah, a few, few conversations with the management, uh, you know, I talked to, to my old man kind of said, you know, do you think it, it is completely outrageous to be, to be moving my entire life on about four weeks notice, uh, for three games of handball. He said, absolutely not. That's, you know, this is the dream. This is, this is the sport you love. It's a passion. Follow your passion, and uh, if we put that energy out there, uh, you know, good things will happen. So that's all we can do, and that's sort of how how I'm connected to Sydney and, and why I'm here today.
0: So there's definitely a, you're hoping for a few scouts to come along and offer you a nice contract <laughs> in a warm European city to play handball, uh, since you can't go. Yeah, mate, I'm just looking. I'm just looking for a couch. <laughs> <two weeks time>. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
4: But if, if scouts come calling, hey, that's it's a bonus as well. Wow.
2: So, like uh, with this whole Sydney Uni team, it's obviously with with the situation in Australia, the, the the usual group of guys who would be who would have been going and probably were still hoping to go until recently just couldn't because they wouldn't be allowed back into Australia. And so, from what I've heard, anyway, so Sydney Uni basically reached out to let's say the the. The relatively local handball community and then also those who were a part of the club in one way or another and now based Mm. in Europe. So people who listen to the podcast will know Bevan Calvert. We spoke to him last year. Uh, He's part of the squad. Oh, he's there. He's there in his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> say, say
4: <laughs> I wish it was a visual
2: podcast. Now, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, we have the that bit recorded. May release it at some point. But a say hello to Bevan t- <laughs> for us as well. <laughs> and uh, and yes, I, I also saw that there's a a player in the team who who used to play for. Um, Sydney but now is playing for London GD so there's a real spread of, of players and, and that must be pretty tricky as well you're all coming together just a few days before uh, the biggest games in your lives and uh, you got to get to know each other and, and put some kind of uh, format of a team together
4: yeah it's it's a it's a fascinating dynamic here it really is I mean you, you touched on it perfectly right there is just such a mixture of cultures and, and the way things are, are going about it um you know, yeah, Diego from from London, yeah, fascinating, fascinating chap, right? Always likes to show up a bit later to the to the team meetings when, when perhaps <laughs> he should be uh, on time, but you know, that's just part of his personality. You know, other, others with their uh, sort of German efficiency, no, we need to be here at this time. And, and then, you know, all, all the kind of, a stereotypical swedish politeness really really comes into play as well not to mention you know some of the the laid-back australia, australian new zealand approach to, to a whole bunch of things so look it, it is a whole mix of people and um yeah you know on the point around the the guys from australia you know we're absolutely gutted to not to not have those boys with us i think um you know we almost talk about it before the start of every training that session that we have is is you're no longer you just representing the club but you're actually re- representing the responsibility you had to be able to take this opportunity where others who, who genuinely, you know, wanted to go and, and did have that offer there uh, were unable to take that opportunity. So, you know, I know we've only had sort of two days, maybe three now that we've been working together and we've only got two or three more before uh, Magdeburg in the first game. But, you know, look, you, you just, you just take each session with, with that responsibility you know, coach talks about giving hundred percent when we're on court, and, and that's you know that's not running around like headless chooks, but you know that's about making sure that your heart and your desire is there. And um, when you step on court for training, you know when you're warming up, you know when you're talking to your, your colleagues, literally at the dinner table, right? And you know, no phones at the dinner table. We're all here. We're all one team, um, and, and we we need every every moment we can to uh, to get to know each other. So you know, anything that we can do that improves our dynamic to improve our communication. The way people think, the way people talk, uh, is gonna is gonna make you know potentially the difference. uh, You know, come the fifth of October.
0: Can you say, are you clicking as a as a team? You've had a couple of sessions now. What
4: is the you know what's the gut feeling of how it's come together so far? Yeah, it's look, it's it's fascinating. I think you've got you've just got so many different ways of playing handball, amongst other things. You know, and and certain mentalities that that can at times cause a bit of friction, but, but that's what you need as well. If if we were all the same players across all positions, you wouldn't get the change up that I think, you know, a team like this actually, actually is going to thrive on. So, you know, some of the link ups that we've seen, you know, earlier this morning, even in training, you know, some of the shooting is just, just phenomenal. And, um, you know, you talked about Bevan before to have, have his experience and, and what, you know, what he did last season as well, um, I think brings a lot of presence to the team and, and, you know, there are guys there that are really taking lead. you know, our captain Pierre is is phenomenal, both, both on court and off court. Um, and I think what we've seen, you know, in these conversations, like at, literally, you know, I keep talking about the dinner table, but I, I think it's massive for us that, you, you know, you're sitting with a different person each each evening at lunch or whatever. And you're just talking about, you know, what is Hamble like there with, in, in your, you know, your corner of the world and, and, oh, you know, what do you do outside of this? Because obviously, you know, most, if not all of us are, are, are amateurs or semi-professional or whatever. So, you know, everyone has a life outside of that. And um, it's just been cool to go on court. And yeah, once once the connection works, man, it, it, it just feels like something else. You know, you've got, you, you get a, the move from a, you know, a Spanish chap through to through to the sleeve, through, you know, to the Australian, to New Zealand, to, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's just something else. And so,
2: you mentioned it there, Magdeburg is the, the first game. and You couldn't have been given a, th- a tougher start, I think it's fair to say, uh, given the form they're in this season. And, uh, I mean, I think it's always hard to, To approach it in a way that looks at the results, particularly for the first game like this, but it is going to be, you know, uh, at least three games no matter what happens. So what is the, what is the approach for the team at the moment? Uh, What kind of targets are you setting yourself? Not necessarily scoreline wise, but what do you want to get out of this week?
4: Yeah, of course. I think uh, if we were doing it completely on on scoreline and measurements, it might be it might be a bit of a, a a tough a tough few weeks for us. But but look, you know, we're just again we come I came back to the, the responsibility that we have as Sydney Uni, um, as players that that maybe don't have the closest connection to the club. Um, we're just there to to actually put put hundred percent in. It's it's almost a, a self reflection at the end of the tournament. Is that is that when you sit up and you say okay you know, we played these three games, these are the results, we look back on the footage, can you honestly sit up and and look at everyone in the eye from, you know, the people that are supporting you, your friends and family, to your teammates that are sitting there with you, can you honestly say that you gave 100% that, that and that doesn't mean you you are faultless or, or, or whatever else, it just means that when you were in the moment, you were in the moment and you were doing what you can and, and look, that's the mentality we have to take. I think, you know, coach said at the start that that we were all you know all winners to begin with and that's and that's you know I, I fully believe that because to to get here took an absurd amount of of logistical um and at times sleepless nights to to be able to to get yourself here so you give yourself every opportunity to then be able to um actually actually push through and, and to take this opportunity so success for us man is is honestly you just sit there and you go right i went i went on court against Magdeburg. And I took that shot from, you know, nine and a half meters. Maybe it was caught and there was a fast break thereafter. But hey, you know, that, that's the game that I want to play. You know, I want to take them on one-on-one. We, I want you know draw and pass or, or whatever else. You know, it's 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 not going to end uh, with a zero next to our name. And so there are going to be positives that we can take out of the game. And, and I think, you know, at the end of the tournament, you just have to look back and say, that was all I physically could have done given also the, the four weeks notice period, maybe you give yourself a bit more prep and uh, you can hold yourself <laughs> to a higher standard. But um, yeah, got to be cognizant of that as well. We'll
0: definitely be keeping an eye out on that top score list uh, for your name on it, just, just in case. <laughs>
2: and, um, I want to ask you, because uh, when we we set up the uh, the chat in the first place, we did it through uh, a mutual friend and another Wellington handball legend Aaron roxborough who who said that uh, you're part of a a handball dynasty, the Ireland family. And, uh, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about that because all, what all your siblings uh, your parents are involved?
4: Yeah, yeah, so um for those that follow New Zealand sport, I, I'd probably consider the islands the uh, the poor man's version of the Barrett brothers uh, <laughs> in, the, in the handball scene, so. Uh, yeah me me as the oldest that kind of paved the way for for what for what Hamble end up becoming uh to our family so you know starting in 2012 in the um challenge trophy in, in Samoa i think you know all of my siblings and family came came and, and watched and actually said you know wow what what a sport it, it takes you to these you know beautiful places of the world and and you get to travel and and you get to play a very physically demanding um but at times very beautiful sport and and so that sort of got the itch. Um, my younger brother Harry then then picked it up and then he became um part of the New Zealand under 20 team to go into the New Zealand team. Uh my sister then picked it up and and played in the uh the tournament there again. And 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 she then went to Bulgaria as part of a the team that wins the uh the IHF challenge trophy. You go and play against the other winners from the other regions. And so for her, yeah, she was able to play in um, Bulgaria, which is just a, a phenomenal opportunity for her. And and then lastly is, uh, is older uh, PI 20, Paul, Paul Island, who managed to pick himself up uh, a cheeky little sponsorship with, with Salmin a few years back and kind of shows, you know, actually starting a bit younger can really provide you with the um, platform to then push on to, to bigger and better things. And, um, you know, gutted that that he couldn't be here as well. You know, he, he did get asked initially, um, but a uh, collarbone pain social soccer i mean what are, what are you doing mate you know you're, you're a new zealand new zealand athlete for Brutal. hamble what are, what are you touching <laughs> a, a football for? <laughs> but um you know but but he's you know he's 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 had a tough tough time in his young career he was uh you know at one of the danish schools um focusing on hamble before the pandemic hit and, and obviously you, you've got to make a very difficult decision and probably the right decision to come back home so you know, he's, he's going to be looking for his, his opportunity to come over and, and make a you know, a name for himself and, and just push the sport as well. So, you know, that's, that's the side from the siblings there's a, there's a terrific photo of all three of us boys up against uh, Hong Kong, you know, in the same picture, you know, all three Island boys taking, taking the field is, is terrific. Um, and then you've got the folks. So, so I started, uh, my own club, uh, the f- Fox and fruit flies about three years ago. And, and when I did the old man kind of, kind of you know, sat up on his chair and thought, you know what, I've seen you boys do it. I reckon I could could, could roll the arm over. And um, so at the ripe age of, oh, you know, 20, 20 28 young, but uh, close closer to 60 than, than that, I think, uh, age-wise, he um, yeah, he, he came on board and, and has been playing the last three seasons. And I tell you, he's, he jumped into goal the last two seasons. And uh, I think you look at his safe percentage in the league, it's not it's not too shabby he does all he does all right and then and then uh yeah mama island play started playing last year as well and then just loves it you know it's 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 a real testament i think uh more broadly to to the way that new zealanders play sport you know you grow up and you just kind of you take on board everything you know you play a bit of basketball here you play a bit of cricket here you play your soccer you know football Whatever. Rugby, obviously, is a big part. I'm a, I'm a slightly scrawny white boy, so I don't tend to, to touch that. But, um, you know, and handball, and I think, brings together so many of those facets. And, and that, for me, was one of the biggest appeals, right? You've got, you know, some of my basketballing background um, with, you know, used to be a fast bowler for cricket. You kind of can merge those together. Um, and, and that way I don't have to shoot a basketball, which was, was then my forte. So, you know, I think it's I think it's a real testament to, to the uh, attitudes that, that Kiwis can have to just pick up a new squad and run with it.
2: That's great. Well, uh, I think you're definitely uh, a shining light this week. Maybe your brothers won't agree. Uh, but as far as the wider handball world, you're going to be in the spotlight for the next few days. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's going to be a huge experience, I'm certain. And I uh, yeah, hope you all have a good time for the rest of the camp, and good luck on Tuesday, right against Magdeburg.
4: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for your Sounds time, thank fellas. you, Luke.
0: Great chat with Luke there, and Chris. I want to ask you a question would you leave your country forever to play three games in the HF Super Superglobe? <laughs> you know what? I probably would. <laughs> what a
2: decision. I mean, well, let's, let's assume eventually people will be allowed back into New Zealand. Um, but yeah, huge decision to make for Luke. But as you could tell from that conversation, uh, not just him, but his whole family are absolutely like nuts for the sport. It's It's wonderful to hear and uh, having met a lot of Luke's uh, teammates and friends in the Wellington handball community last year uh playing beach handball with them i really uh, really like the way they they think about the sport and the way they they appreciate it and uh, Luke really seems to be appreciating that and and just for those of you uh listening uh who recall the moment with Bevan Calvert he turned over the camera, and I think we will have to release that at some point <laughs> on our social media channels where Bevan is laying, uh, laying vertical on the bed, uh, wearing not very much, nothing at all, perhaps. Uh, we'll have to check that one back. But yeah, also great to see Bevan get another opportunity to play at the top level after his um, his moment or moments with Keel last season. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, real uh, interesting mishmash of players for the Sydney Uni
0: team. Really tough start though against Magdeburg. Absolutely. That's your favourite team. they too. Yeah. well. But I think um, I- I've loved this opportunity to speak with uh, both Calheat and Sydney Uni uh, players and kind of get an insight into their passion into handball. Mm. And for us that it-, it is very close to heart because we also come from countries where handball isn't a top sport. But what you find in countries like that is that People who are involved in the sport have an absolutely different level of passion or um, commitment to the game because every day you have to fight to just be able to play the game. You know, in traditional countries, you, you grow up with it. You, you play it your whole life. You get set up for it. But, you know, in, in the US, in Australia, in New Zealand, you are a player. You're a coach. You probably set up a club. And you have a podcast, you have a <laughs> podcast about handball, and it's the reason why we love handball so much because you find that you get engrossed in it so much that uh you just want to share it with the world. So I hope you enjoyed the insight into the wacky world of handball uh, outside of yeah. Europe.
2: Um, and something, and it's something to bear in mind as well when watching these games next week and just like putting that into perspective. And, and for them, this is going to be. Like uh, this is an opportunity that uh, many of them won't have dreamt of, and so that that is hopefully we get to see them enjoyed to the, the full capacity next week for the Super Globe, which starts on Tuesday, the fifth of October, and uh, ten teams competing. And we mentioned there that Cal Heat will play against al Wedah in one of the opening round games, and in the other one it'll be Sydney Uni against Magdeburg. Also in that competition on the European side, we have Alborg and Barca, the two finalists from last season's Champions League.
0: Now, who else have we got in there, Alex? Um, I think an interesting team to look out for is of course Zamalek from Egypt, mm. you know, building okay. on the success of the Egyptian team. They're very they're a very strong team. They have uh they have big names like Eldara and Akmar. To look out for, but they do play Barcelona in that quarterfinal. But, you know, this season, uh, Barcelona aren't quite what they, <laughs> 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 I, I won't say that they'll, they'll lose to Zamalek, but it will definitely be an interesting game. On top of that, you have a new Brazilian team in. Mm. Uh, the traditional team that's made it to the Super Globe has been Taubate, but, uh, Pinheiros, actually beat them in the qualifier for this tournament Um, team that is full of Brazilians uh, no outside stars but uh, again I think the standard in Brazil is is quite good and lastly we have Al Noor who I have no idea (laughs) where they come from
2: they're the other Saudi Arabian team yeah I would guess yeah yeah okay the two Saudi Arabian teams, uh, and then one representative from every other continent except for Europe, which has three. Alborg, Magdeburg, and Barca. So, Alex, who's going to win the competition? Alborg, Magdeburg, or Barca?
0: Zamalek. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be,
2: that would be amazing to see. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time um, a team from outside of Europe has won the competition. Uh, I have a feeling it'll be... Uh, One of Alborg or Magdeburg, I think they'll be taking it uh, pretty seriously. And and Danilo spoke a little bit about that as well. It's a great opportunity for those two clubs. Uh,
0: I think Barca just,
2: they'll go through the motions.
0: Uh, but I think they'll go through the motions. By and, 40 uh, goals score 40 <laughs> goals a game and use it as, you know, use the first few games of this tournament to relax. And then I think it will Barcelona. be a Barcelona Magdeburg final. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen the German clubs that have come into this competition. Fuchser Berlin, they, they really yeah. talk to it and, um, Magdeburg are in a lot of good form. So. Magdeburg, Barcelona final, but Barcelona to uh, okay. win it.
2: Nice. Barça lost a midweek in the Champions League and what was a great round three of the Champions League. And uh, we'll just go briefly on that because uh, we put together a power ranking just ahead of it. Five teams in it, three of them lost their game, one of them drew. So uh, do you want to give a little hint as to what the next power ranking is going to be
0: after a wild week in the Champions League? To be honest I have no idea we we, we we just discussed it but that might Completely change in my mind But okay. look out for Vardar, they're back Vardar are back um.
2: <laughs> Just one more thing I want to mention before we go uh, I think it's a really nice story uh, It's come out of Sweden and uh, close to my home In Gothenburg is that uh, Louis Sand Who uh, is a trans Male has Made his debut in Sweden's Second tier in the Allsvenskan, which I think is pretty amazing. Uh, Sand, who played up until 2018 for the Swedish women's national team at the Euro, and uh, I think had 100 caps for them, uh, has, over the summer, been training really hard and uh, is now playing in the second highest level in Sweden, which is amazing. Uh, really a great achievement just to, to play at that level uh, for anyone. So kudos to, to Louis and hopefully... Uh, Oh, it's nice to see, a, let's say, second wave in his career as a handball player. And long may it continue.
0: Uh, absolutely. Right, should we leave it there? I think so. We'll be looking out for the IHF Superglobe. But, of course, we'll have an EHF CL podcast coming for you very soon. We will. And the women as well. And the women and the Bundesliga podcast that oh, we did, promise. All of that coming. There's so many podcasts to do. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Take care everyone, goodbye. (laughs)